evening denizens of internet wonderland. It's time once again to kick back, relax, and listen to the soothing sounds of the melodious cat streaming through your airways. As we veer once again down the rabbit hole, my voice finds you well this evening. Welcome back to my home. This is Cheshire's Place. As always, I am your host, the melodious one, Mr. Cheshire. You can always find me in my small little corner of internet wonderland by clicking a like on my Facebook group page, Cheshire's Place, a looking glass into logical madness. You can always listen to this podcast and all of its episodes on anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many other platforms. And if you ever feel like dropping a line, saying hi, or giving any thoughts or suggestions for upcoming episodes, feel free to email me at cheshirelookingglass at gmail.com or follow me on Twitter at Place Cheshire. So, I wanted to start off today with a small apology. I know last week I was supposed to come out with the BDSM and dating episode, but unfortunately, plans fell through a little bit. Um, my guest for that episode, Nookie Notes, was unable to join in due to other obligations. So hopefully in due time, I'll be able to hold the interview with her. Um, if not, hopefully I'll be able to hold an interview with other members of the BDSM community and get their input about being in the lifestyle and trying to have a dating life. Now, real quick, I would like to give a shout out to Nookie Notes and her website, DatingKinky.com. It is a website made for kinksters by kinksters. If you're ever interested in meeting someone that happens to be in the lifestyle, this is one platform that you can go to. Not only is it a dating site, but it is also an information site for those who are curious about the lifestyle. Every week she covers different topics relating to the lifestyle, and if you are curious about it or you want to explore other facets of the lifestyle this is the one-stop shop for you once more it's datingkinky.com also she does have a podcast on anchor.fm so if you look up dating kinky you'll be able to listen to all her podcasts i actually listened to a few of her episodes and they are simply wonderful now tonight's topic actually came about due to a good friend of ours here on the show, and that'd be Miss Lara Thomas. As we all know, Lara is the author of Chosen, 
book one of the Chosen Saga. Speaking of which, her book is now out on Kindle and iBooks. Also, she is holding a small little contest on her website, www.larathomas.com, and also on her Facebook group page. If you sign up to, to win, you will win an autographed copy of her book, Chosen. I am actually in the running for it twice because I like to win. Hopefully I'll be able to and I'll be able to have a nice simple copy to read from and, you know, get some of that uh, steamy action that we had during the first episode from her reading an excerpt from the book. Now, after our second interview with Lara, she was interested in the fact that I was doing a series on dating relationships and she actually came up with the topic for the night which is toxic relationships now this one was a little bit hard to research because it isn't due to the fact that it's hard to research it as whole but it's hard to research due to the fact that there's so many different types of toxic relationships. I mean, when most people think toxic relationships, they think those that are abusive. I mean, that is what I thought of when researching this. Hold on one second, just a small water break. Also, just to let you know, the Sammy Sunshine Clause is in effect, which means I will be clearing my voice quite a bit and stopping for water breaks. It's hard to go back and forth trying to record, stop, pause, and edit things, so we're just going to breeze right through. Hold on one second. Ah. So tonight I'm actually going to be drinking regular tap water because I forgot to go pick up a case of water today. So I wanted to discuss toxic relationships, especially with the news relating to Jada Pinkett Smith and her entrapment. And this actually made some very big news, especially whenever Jada and her husband, Will Smith, were on her show, um, Red Table Discussion. If I remember, that should be the name of the show, if I remember correctly. But this raised a lot of questions. Um, There's been a lot of myths about Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith being in an open marriage or open partnership. And my thoughts on that is... Well, quite honestly, my thoughts on it are if people want to be able to explore those facets within a relationship, they have more than right to because it is between consenting adults. Now, the issue with open relationships, and this actually plays a little bit into toxic relationships, is that eventually someone will get hurt at some point or another. Now, I do know that there are relationships out there that are open, that are thriving and doing extremely well, but it takes special type of people 
with trust and patience with their partners to allow them to go forth and be able to explore with other people. Now, was it right the way everything was handled? That I do not know. Everyone is entitled to their opinion on the entire thing. Now, I only got a chance to watch excerpts of that interview that they did. And it just, it was hard for me to really come to grips with because you can tell that Will was extremely broken by it. And yes, there are rumors that Will actually gave consent and his blessing to August to look for a formal relationship with Jada. But at the same time, there's been denial about it. And it's hard to tell what's truth and what's fiction on that one. But I leave it to you, the listeners, to discuss. So if you feel that it was actually consensual between all three parties, or if you feel that it was wrong, or if you feel, um, if you have a different opinion about it, feel free to chime in on the Facebook group page. Feel free to email me. Feel free to discuss it on Twitter. You know, I'm open to hear everyone's opinion on it. But now, cutting to the chase. Now, I'm doing my research as well on here because, well, Sometimes in life, it's hard to actually sit down and really do some decent research, especially whenever you're busy with work and other projects. But this is actually pretty interesting. I brought this up online. Um, It's actually from eHarmony.com. And this states, what are the four different types of toxic relationships? And these are four toxic relationship types to avoid. The first one is a codependent relationship, which, hold on one second, almost dropped my water. So the first relationship to avoid is a codependent one which it's more of a mental obsession with someone. Um, Quote-unquote, it's the love song mentality that you should be holding on to this individual. You should be infatuated with them. It it can be one-sided because you're absorbed with another person. It almost becomes borderline I hate to use this word but it comes it's obsessive it's stalkerish in a way so it's the type of mentality where a person will say I can't live without you if you leave my life it will be destroyed you are my absolute world is that type of mentality that first and foremost yes it is very toxic it's very harmful 
when one person is infatuated with another person and those feelings are not shared it can actually be very dangerous and we've actually seen codependent relationships before um, one such example that I can actually think of off the top of my head and this is actually going to show my age a little bit and it was the Joey Buttafuoco case um, where his lover who was much younger than him was obsessed with him even to the point to where he went to Buttafuoco's house with a gun and shot his wife in the head. Now, thankfully, she did survive, but you can tell that this is a form of a codependent relationship where she was infatuated by this man. She was entranced by him, and she went to any lengths just to keep him. Um, there's actually a good example recently um, that occurred and I'm trying to remember off the top of my head where I heard this from um, there was a case where a young man was obsessed by his girlfriend he was extremely in love with her but yet she did not feel the same way it got to the point to where he actually murdered her and killed himself because he felt if he could not have her then no one should be able to and I also want to talk about the signs of a codependent relationship now I did mention that this is the type where it's the love song type relationship where you know, a person feels that they can't live without someone or their world is going to be destroyed. Um, it goes even further than that. Um, now, the obsession part of this is when a person takes the time to actually properly, I still hate using this word, but stalk. Stalk the person of interest. And we've seen this in movies before. We've seen it in series. Matter of fact, um, one of one of the most popular examples happens to be the Netflix series You. And so many people enjoy this show, but there's an underlining lesson to be understood from this. And that's whenever you are obsessed with someone, what lengths are you going to go to have that person? And, you know, we've all seen the memes where where girls would joke that they should have someone like Joe, who was one of the main characters. But yet, do you really want someone like that? Yes, it's understandable to want to be yearned for, to have someone obsess over you. But also, that type of obsession is dangerous. It's harmful. I mean, you, you never know. You may find someone who would actually go to those lengths just as he did on the show. Just to be able to say that, that he wants you or she wants you. You know, 
let's be completely equal about this. Everyone, everyone can be obsessive a little bit whenever it comes to relationships, but you don't want to take it to great lengths. It's okay to want your partner. It's okay to want to be with that individual. It's okay to feel strongly with them. But whenever you get to the point to where you feel that you have to harm that person, harm yourself or harm others to keep that person, then it's a time to really try to reassess what is going on. And it's hard to see that type of obsession. It really is. Because the person that is obsessing would not see anything wrong with what they are doing. All they see is that that there's a person that they admire, that they want, that they want to love, want to just have, and they will do anything in their power just to have that person. They don't see how the codependency affects not only themselves, but that person and people around them. Now, the warning signs on this, and this is interesting, and it states, Look out for people whose moods are dictated by yours. Seek to control mood and behavior and have little to no life of their own outside of your relationship. You know, it almost sounds like, you know, it sounds like people who sometimes obsess over video games or going to the gym. I mean, in a way, when you obsess over something, you do become codependent on it. Now, don't get me wrong. I enjoy going to the gym. I enjoy working out. I enjoy my other endeavors. But... I do not try to obsess over them. Now, codependency is due to the fact of lacking something in your life. Now, in case in in the case of relationships, when you're codependent on someone, it's due to the fact that somewhere <clears throat> down the line, either while you're growing up, <clears throat> Or, hold on one second, water break. <clears throat> you know, tap water definitely hits different than bottled water. Just my preference. Most of the time, I'll definitely go for tap. But, continuing on. Um, when you are lacking something in your life... In terms of relationships, it could be lacking of affection, lacking of love, lacking of um, attention. It could be many different things that will cause you to be codependent on another person. Um, the best way for, <clears throat> for this, if you notice these signs within yourself you have to take a small step back you have to assess what it is that you are missing from your life 
you have to figure out how to fix you before trying to venture into a relationship. Because if you're coming on extremely strong in a relationship, if you are dependent on what it is your partner thinks or what it is your partner does, and if it rules every facet of what your life is, then you have to take the time to break away and fix yourself. And I know it's hard to do that. I know it's hard. But you have to be able to seek help in order to make yourself stronger. That way, you don't have to rely on another person to make your life complete. You won't have to be obsessed with an individual and make that individual your entire world. Because when you do the, something like that, whenever you are codependent on one individual, if the relationship should happen to end, you would be lost. You would feel betrayed to a higher degree than what normally would happen during a breakup. And you would start diving into toxic behavior. And we all know different types of toxic behavior. Um, especially when there's a bad breakup. Some people will go into excessive drinking or drugs or excessive partying or self-harm. You know, you just have to break away soon enough to allow yourself to heal and get yourself right before going into another relationship. Now, the second the second toxic relationship that they have on this article, and this is one that we all know about, and it's bullying and abusive. Now, and I'm going to quote this, this article real quick. There are often lots of little warning signs that a relationship has the potential to become abusive. Abuse doesn't just mean physical violence. People can be verbally and emotionally abusive too, gradually undermining their victim's self-esteem. Now, I'm sure all of us, at one point or another, have been involved in a relationship that was abusive. Not physically, but verbally, emotionally. Um, and this part is true. There are very small warning signs that we don't pick up on if we're in the relationship because we become blind to it at times. We don't notice it until it becomes bigger. Um, there was actually a friend of mine when I was growing up that was actually in an abusive relationship 
And I did not know this until many years later, like many, many years later. Um, I actually spoke to her about it not too long ago. And the relationship wasn't physical in the terms of abuse, but it was definitely emotional abuse that was being felt. Um, my friend felt trapped due to the fact that she was often told that no one else would want her. The only person that would would be him. She is useless. She is worthless. And that really does weigh on your self-esteem. It really does make you think that there will be no one else to accept you than your abuser. That you're flawed, that you're damaged, and that the only person that could actually love you is the person who is causing you the most harm. Now, this even goes in terms of physical violence and physical abuse. We see so many stories about it. There's books about it. There's movies, shows about it, about a relationship that is going well, but then for some reason, one individual gets triggered and the abuse starts. And what is it that we know of those who are in abusive relationships? Um, one, there's that feeling of being trapped. Two, once more, this is going back to self-esteem. You begin feeling that no one will want you, especially after going through such an ordeal. And in terms of the abuser, what makes the abuser? Well, one that pops up in my mind is a very narcissistic behavior. They find no fault in what it is that they do. Matter of fact, they put the blame of their actions solely on you to make you feel that you're the cause of all the harm that is being that is being placed on you. And whenever it comes to physical violence, what are some of the lines that people hear? You know, if you wouldn't have made me mad, I wouldn't have hit you. Or, this is your fault. You caused this. And then what is it followed up by? Whenever a person is getting ready to leave that type of toxic relationship. I'm sorry. I can change. I'll make things better. I will not do it again. And people who are being abused try to find solace in these words because you want to try to make it work. You want to try to salvage what it is you have. 
and you begin believing that this individual can change, that they can be better. And there are times where, yes, a person realizes that they are abusive and they do strive to change and they do take the steps. They go to counseling, they seek help, and things do get better. But for most cases, the cycle of abuse continues. And what is the cause of the abuse? Now, this is where nature versus nurture comes into play for abusive relationships. And I've seen many spectrums of this. I've seen it where an individual was neglected as a child or abused by their parents. And they were told the same things. You're worthless. You're useless. No one will love you. This is your fault. And the cycle perpetuates. Now that's nurture. Now, <clears throat> is it within the nature of an individual to be abusive? Honestly, yes. There are studies out there that show that a person could actually be born to be an abuser. Now, I'm not a scientist. I am not a doctor. I am not a relationship professional. But it is possible for an individual to be born to be an abuser. It just takes that one small trigger to cause it. Now, some of the warning signs that we can look at for being in an abusive relationship. The first one is very big, and that's watch for violent displays of temper. Now, this one is the big sign, but also at the same time, some people can easily play off being violent. They won't show that they're violent. They'll just react. You won't see someone getting angry. They'll just raise a hand or throw something. And that's where it starts. An inability to see what they did wrong. And this goes with narcissism. Because though individuals that are narcissistic never see fault in what they do. They believe that they are perfect in every way. They do not see what it is they're causing. They do not see that their actions are wrong. They just think it's normal. In a way, they almost feel like they can get away with it. Now, the next warning sign is a history of previous abuse, either as a perpetrator or a victim. Once more, I already discussed this a little bit within being nurtured. And this is for individuals that were within the cycle of abuse of 
abuse. My apologies. My throat is kind of dry here. But if you were a victim at one point or another and you were unable to realize that what is going on, A, is wrong, and B, you just thought it was normal, you're going to perpetuate the cycle. And this also goes within the thought of if you were bullied before, you can grow up to be a bully yourself. And in a way, it's true. It really is true. If you were bullied before, once you find a way to become stronger, those feelings that you try to repress, being a victim of bullying, comes out when least expected. Now, this is my one thing. If you were a victim before, and you do not find the ways to cope with the trauma behind it. There is a good possibility that you can become a perpetrator within being a bully or being abusive. And speaking from personal experience, because as a kid, I was bullied. I was harassed for being different, but I was lucky enough to have individuals to help me make it through the process. I had support. I had help, but there are times where I wonder what would have happened if I would have not had those individuals to help me. I wonder if I would be like many of the individuals that are out there who are continuing the cycle of abuse. You know, it's one of those things that we all have to think about, especially if we were victims at one point. It's hard to come out and say that, yes, I was a victim of being bullied. Yes, I was a victim of being abused. Now, I was never abused. I was bullied, but never abused. But it goes hand in hand. If you were ever a victim, you should try to seek some form of help. If you do not want to go to a therapist, find yourself a good group, a good circle of friends that would be more than willing to help you through your process of coping. Sometimes it takes longer than anticipated, but having a good team on your corner makes a world of difference, especially transitioning out of an abusive relationship. Now, the first people that will actually notice that you are in an abusive relationship are going to be your friends. Someone who is an abuser, someone who has the tendency of feeling that what they are doing that is not their fault, they become masters of deception. They want to be able to hide what it is they are doing. 
so they'll put up a mask, a simple facade that everything is perfectly fine. They will smile in the face of your parents. They will shake hands with your family. They'll be chummy with your best friends. And all the while behind closed doors, they cause a person so much pain, whether physically and mentally or emotionally. But yet, it's your friends that will begin to notice the change first. Actually, I shouldn't say friends. I should say it will be the people who are closest to you, who know your patterns, who know your quirks, that will notice that there is something wrong. Now, going on with the warning signs. The final one is the feeling that you can't be emotionally honest without triggering their anger. And this one we've seen a lot, definitely in, in, in TV and movies, where a person is just having a discussion and they say something or they do something just to trigger an individual to start the abuse. And... It's just crazy to read this and to realize that one part of being in an abusive relationship is that you cannot be honest with your partner due to the fact that if you are honest, it can start the abuse. And it's crazy because one of the biggest things in relationships has to be communication and honesty. If you want a relationship to flourish, if you want it to grow, if you want it to be something more, you have to be honest and you have to communicate. A relationship is a partnership. It takes two people to make it grow. It takes two people to make it strong. Honestly, in today's society, if you are polyamorous, it takes everyone involved to make that relationship grow. If you are not honest, it will fail. And if you are not allowed to communicate and be honest to say what it is you feel is going wrong with the relationship or what can be improved, then once more it fails. But now going into an abusive relationship, adding that factor in, if you try to be honest with something, if you try to express a dislike for something or a like for something that goes against what it is your partner likes or dislikes, and it triggers that individual to be violent, whether physical, verbal, emotional, then this is for me, for Mr. Cheshire. If you are in that type of relationship, 
And I know it's hard to get out of those type of, types of relationships. I know it's hard. You feel trapped. You feel cornered. You feel that no one is going to believe what it is you are saying due to the fact that your abuser is so good with making up a lie, with coming across as someone who can do no wrong, someone who other people will think, oh, that is the perfect partner. If you feel that you are trapped, there are many avenues to try to get out of that situation. You can go to your local domestic violence crisis center. You can, ease, you can go to your local law enforcement. But if you're trying to get out of an abusive relationship, have a plan. Always have a plan. Figure out where it is you'll be able to go that you'll be safe. If your abuser is taking care of the majority of the financial responsibilities, figure out a way to be able to save money. Figure out transportation. Try to get everything in a row because... You want to make sure that you are safe. Um, there's actually somewhat of a good example of this. There was actually, it was a Jennifer Lopez movie, quite honestly. Uh, hold on one second. Now, part of this movie was actually a good idea in a way because she did have a plan of sorts in order to get out of the relationship now you don't have to go to the extreme of changing your entire look your name and running away to a different city sometimes you may have to but most times you shouldn't have to go to that extreme um, the title of the movie is enough so, always have a plan. Figure out what it is you can do to get out of that situation. Um, as I mentioned before, domestic violence crisis centers are a good way to start that process. They have individuals there who are trained to assist you in getting out of abusive relationships. So... If you feel like you're trapped in your current relationship, that is one avenue you can go. But as I said, have a plan. Start figuring out your finances. Figure out a place where you can go that is safe. Figure out um, how you're going to live, how to cover your expenses. Um, if you are married and are in an abusive relationship, Figure out the divorce proceedings. Um, if you want to do everything remotely or if you do want to face your abuser, how would you do that? There, there's a lot of different what-ifs relating to trying to escape an abusive relationship. But 
do your research once more and I continue to say this have a plan because you do not want to be caught with a situation that you absolutely cannot get out of now the third and this one's actually very interesting and I didn't even really consider this one it's called parental mirroring and parental mirroring and I'm reading directly from the article parental mirroring is a very common problem this is where one or both people in a relationship have unresolved issues with a parent and act out dysfunctional patterns with their new partner we mirror the primary relationships that we witnessed as a child unconsciously okay Actually, now I actually see this a little bit more. Um, and I hate the terms of having daddy issues or mommy issues. But this, this is what having those issues are relating to. Because you, it's almost like a digression of sorts. Where you're in a relationship and the individual reminds you of your mother or your father one second water break and as I was saying you begin to digress and act out due to the fact that it's things that you witnessed as a child so, also, going on another side of the coin, they do something, your partner does something that triggers you to be in that emotional state. And it's just, it's interesting because some of the examples, and I'm sure that we've all seen this before. One example is if an individual has an alcoholic parent, the pattern becomes they find individuals that are similar to that. So, for example, if you were, if you were a male and your mother was very protective, of sorts almost to a startling unrealistic view you will try to find someone who mirrors your mother or if you are female and your father was alcoholic you gravitate to those who are alcoholic Despite what type of pain those actions as a child caused you, you begin looking for individuals that mirror the actions of your parents, the things that you witnessed while you were a child. Now, there are some cases where parental mirroring is actually good. If you grew up in a very stable, loving, functional family, that is the type of relationship that you would want. 
if you had parents that loved each other and, you know, are still together running strong after all these years and they've worked out all of their problems through communication and you and you remember all the good memories relating to them to your parents that is the type of relationship you would want to mirror but if your parents were abusive or neglectful people would tend to gravitate to those who hold the same type of patterns that they're neglectful or abusive or alcoholic or or caught up in drugs you know you you gravitate towards the negative of that individual and it even goes further where you become attracted to individuals that look like that person look like that one parent and once more it's the mommy issue daddy issue thing and people think it's a joke oh she likes this type of guy because she has daddy issues or wow he has absolute mommy issues because his mom did this this and this and this is what his current girlfriend is doing right now you know it's it's kind of crazy but really thinking about this and reading this it is very commonplace now there reading from the article there are various psychological explanations as to why this happens those involved are often aware that it's not healthy but they feel a magnetic pull to stick with it because it feels so familiar and there there's the big thing familiarity certain aspects of a relationship that you're in you're trying to mirror because it does feel familiar is it right no okay yes and no if it's more positive if the relationship is going well and it's strong and you're influenced because your parents had a very strong healthy relationship then yes parental mirroring is fine in that aspect but if you were in a home where there was abuse where there was alcoholism drugs what have you then parental mirroring is not a good thing because you know it's wrong but it is familiar in a way it i don't want to say it feels right to you but it is familiar it is something that you are used to it is how you feel in a way a relationship should be because it it was a relationship that you already went through now warning signs take note if your partner shares characteristics with your dysfunctional parent if you feel young and childlike in the relationship if your feelings are out of control or your partner treats you like their parent acting out by being being rebellious defiant and immature now now here's the thing about this there is a culture within the BDSM lifestyle that is called daddy and little girl 
or even mommy and little boy, what have you. Or we'll just run through it real quick. There are individuals that would take the role of a nurturing parent and will have a little, whether it's male or female. And it gives a little a chance to digress in age. Um, now, this, in a way, could be considered a taboo, but also at the same time, it's a way of therapy. Now, hear me out here. This is where the logical madness really comes into play. If you are in a parent-little relationship, if you are a little, there's a high chance that you're a little due to the fact of multiple things at first, but feeling neglected from a parent, um, going... It, this even pans into parental mirroring because you find yourself attracted to someone who is very similar to that parent. But in a way, it gives an individual a chance that is a little to work through that trauma to, in a way, regain a little bit of the childhood that he or she did not have. So now, mind you, for those who are listening, the, the, daddy, the daddy or mommy little dichotomy of the relationship this is actually with consenting adults now when people that are not in the know about the BDSM community listen to oh you know I have a daddy or I have a mommy and they listen to like DD or DDLG like daddy dom little girl or or um mom little boy what have you um they automatically think oh my god this person is a pedophile because they're with a little boy a little girl and that isn't the case this is actually with consenting adults one consenting to be within the parental structure and the other being willing to have this individual take care of them almost as a parent, mainly due to the fact, yes, it can be considered sexual. But looking past the sexual aspect of it, this is an opportunity for an individual that is hurt from past trauma to actually begin coping and working through that trauma. And it takes a strong individual to be within that daddy or mommy role in the community because dealing with a little, some people will think, oh yeah, you know, you can just act like a little kid around me, no problem. But there's an underlying reason why this happens. And it's mainly due to the fact that they want to capture something that they never had. And it's the job of someone within that daddy or mommy role to help them. To nurture them, to let them grow. Yes, there can be some interesting things that come out of this, but I find it 
in a way to be therapeutic. Now, also, if you have different opinions about this, please chime in either on my Twitter page or email me or go on the Facebook group. Let me know what you think. But I, for one, think it's a good way for individuals in the little role to cope and to find something that they lost. Now, granted, there are some that are in that role that are doing it due to the fact that that is their kink. And there's nothing wrong with it. But for those who truly suffered in an abusive family or a broken home, this is a way that they can actually really cope and discover what it is that they're missing. All right. So the final, the final toxic relationship that this article discusses is lack of intimacy. Now, I'm going to read this directly from this article. Physical and emotional intimacy separates friends from lovers. I'm going to pause right there. Because as we know, an individual can be physically involved with a friend. That's why we have friends with benefits. You can you can be emotionally detached from someone and still have relationship with them. Um, not like actual relationship, but, you know, quote unquote relationship. So, yes, friends with benefits is one thing. But in order to make it a relationship, there both has to be a connection physically and emotionally. Now, continuing on, sexual intimacy is a natural and healthy part of adult life. Unfortunately, sex can also be dysfunctional, especially when it comes to emotional development as it's associated with our moral, religious, and social education. Now, going in terms of moral, religious, and social education... Here in the United States, granted, nowadays, sex is talked about everywhere. We see it in movies, we hear it in music, we see it on TV, in books, where people who are not in a marriage are involved in intercourse. They are... They are sexually linked you know what let's just cut to the chase on this one here in the u.s sex was a taboo for the longest time just talking about sex was considered locker room discussion even then it was taboo to discuss something that is natural something that is part of our lives Within the religious aspect, and it does not matter what religion you are, it would be considered a sin to engage in premarital sex. You would be described as unclean, as a sinner, as unholy. If you engaged in premarital sex. 
in terms of social education, this is one of those things that we do have to discuss. Um, and this links within the religious once more. A union marriage should the only way that a person should be able to actually have sex is if you are married. As we all know, as adults, it doesn't happen that way. Anyone can have sex. You do not have to be married to have sex. You do not have to be in a relationship to have sex. But from a religious and social standpoint, because we're still slightly behind the curve on this, people still a lot of people still feel that sex should wait until after marriage now is the view correct everyone's entitled to to their own opinion i do not judge anyone on their opinion about sex sex is natural but when the flame burns out and there's lack of intimacy, and this happens whether you're married, if you're just in a relationship, even if you have a friend with benefit, or, and I hate using this term as well, but I'm going to try to keep it as clean as possible, a sex buddy. Once the intimacy dies out, and there's little to no sex. Things become dysfunctional. Because sex is a need. It is something that is embedded in our DNA. Whether we enjoy it a little too much. Or we just feel that it is an obligation in order to keep up with repopulating the world or keeping the bloodline going what have you if you're not feeling intimacy and we'll just go with intimacy in any form it doesn't have to be sex if you're not feeling any type of intimacy from your partner a simple hug a kiss cuddling words of affirmation and love if you are not feeling those things you begin to become frustrated it feels that the relationship is dying which in a way it is if there is lack of intimacy in a relationship something has to be done you have to try to figure out where did things begin to fade you have to figure out where and when things began to change. Because in a relationship, it is important to have communication, to be honest, but also to keep the flame alive. And yes, that is a very cliche term. But it is true. You have to have these facets to make a relationship work. You have to be willing to look at your partner 50 years down the road 
as you did the first day you met that individual. You have to be willing to find the attraction with your partner. Whether you are high school sweethearts who barely got married, or if you are celebrating your 20th wedding anniversary, that person should excite you from the moment you lay eyes on him or her. That spark should just ignite. Now, if you're having issues with intimacy, I do have a suggestion. Now, once more, I am not a professional whenever it comes to giving advice about dating and relationships. But I do feel, and this is my opinion, if someone else has a different opinion, feel free to chime in. But sometimes you just need a moment to recreate the magic that brought you together. Hear me out. Recreate your first date. Recreate the circumstances that brought you together the first time. Okay, now granted, in today's society, people will find each other online. And it just goes from there. No real first date. It just becomes a hookup. And then you're, and I hate using this term, but now it's brand new, entangled. But recreate what it was that ignited the spark the first time. Go out on a date, just you and your significant other. Discuss things. Don't worry about the kids. Don't worry about work. Forget about the issues that you may be having. Take the time to get to know your partner all over again. Figure out what it is that made you fall in love with that person. And try to fall in love again. And that's one of the things that we're missing in today's society. A willingness to fall in love all over again. Because nowadays it's becoming more acceptable once you fall out of love, just move on and try not to make it work. Now, there are circumstances where, yes, it is acceptable to move on. But if you have invested so many years in a relationship and it was a good relationship, try to figure out what you can do to make it feel new but similar all over again. And that's where I I am saying, fall in love with your partner again. Now, some of the warning signs to look out for for this. Um, Look out for an existing problem in this area that hasn't been addressed, or if you feel you're not getting as much affection and warmth as you'd like at the beginning of the relationship. Once more, we just discussed this. Figure out what it is that is going on. Why is there a lack of intimacy? And then try to figure out how you can bring that intimacy back. 
Now, some people will take some different avenues with this. They'll go through counseling. They'll reenact their first dates. They'll go on vacations away from the kids. They'll try to rejuvenate their minds and their hearts to try to make things work. And then some people go to other methods. And let's just go ahead and discuss those right now. Some people will try to go for an open marriage, feeling that experimenting with other individuals can bring that spark back to themselves first, and then it translates to bringing that spark home. Is there anything wrong with this? No. Truly, there isn't. Everyone has their ways of trying to make a relationship work. Also, within that light of an open marriage, some people will go into swinging. Now, for those who do not understand what swinging is, it is when both partners get involved with other couples and they will swap partners. In a way, it could be a good thing or a bad thing. You never know. Once more, I'm not one to judge anyone for their preferences. Because here in Cheshire's place, one, love is love. Two, the desires of others are freely expressed here. And three, who am I to judge anyone for trying to make a relationship work? If you feel that Inviting another person or a couple into your lives would help you. I am all for it. It is within your discretion as long as all parties are consenting. Now, this part is actually good. If your relationship falls into any one of these categories, it doesn't mean that it's doomed to failure. Being aware the problem is half the battle. Talk to your partner. Get professional help if needed. And remember that most relationships have a level of dysfunction within them. It's what you do with it that counts. And that is extremely true. That is extremely true. What you do within the relationship to make it work or not work depends on you if you feel that a relationship can work regardless of being in a codependent relationship or an abusive relationship or being in parental mirroring or having a relationship that is lacking intimacy if you feel you can work out your issues and come out of it better then you should seek help you should try to make things work but if you cannot make things work for whatever reason it takes a stronger person to admit that it it is not working and walk away than try to stay in a relationship and feel trapped So, <clears throat> there 
Oh, actually found something else. Now, this actually comes from inc.com, inc.com. And this is a article that they did. 35 signs you're in a toxic relationship. Hold on one second. Water break. <clears throat> so, before we actually sign off for the night, let's actually go through these signs. And if you're listening tonight, feel free to chime in if you have noticed these signs within your own relationship. So, this is also going to be a, a point and counterpoint type deal. Not really a point counterpoint type deal, but I'm going to read it. And then I'm going to give a suggestion on how to make it better. So the first one is... All take, no give. Any relationship in which you experience withdrawals of energy without deposits will leave you in the negative. And this is extremely true. If you are in a relationship where you are giving more than what you are receiving. And you don't feel like a mutual partner in the relationship, but you feel more like a servant it is time to reassess the relationship. A functioning relationship should be equal and give and take. It's part of building the relationship. But once one person starts taking more than what they are giving, then it becomes a problem. Now, a way to try to correct this, try to fix it, try to realize it, is that if you're in that position where you begin realizing that there is more giving on your part and not receiving, take the time to talk to your partner about it. Try to figure out where it curved from being equal to where you're the only one really giving more. So the second sign is feeling drained. If instead of feeling happy and productive, you're always mentally, emotionally, and even physically drained, it is time to reevaluate. Now, a relationship should always feel new each day. You should be waking up with your partner and feeling energized, happy that you are with this person. Almost like if you're ready to take on the world. But if you begin feeling drained, and this actually links to number one, all take and no give. Like, if you feel drained, and you're the one who is continually giving yourself into this relationship and you're not receiving back you do need to reevaluate re what it is that is going on in the relationship number three lack of trust and this is a big one this goes with being honest this goes with communicating because if 
you're being honest and you're communicating, there should not be any reason why you cannot trust your partner. Now, if you or your partner are beginning to hold secrets from each other, from the smallest thing to even flirting with a coworker, and the flirting is becoming more intense and you're beginning to feel a certain type of way towards that person, if you're trying to hide those type of things, it questions your stability in the relationship. Number four, hostile atmosphere. So constant anger is a sure sign of an unhealthy relationship. So this really links into abuse, bullying, uh, parental mirroring. It, re- it links to all of it because if you're in a hostile atmosphere, you're going to feel unsafe. You're going to feel uncertain about how things are going to go. You're going to feel that... Once more, it it goes more in the lines of being trapped. So you have to real like if a situation becomes hostile in the environment, you definitely one need to reassess. I cannot stress that enough. And two, you have to get away from that environment. Even if you have to take a small break from from your partner for a week or so just to work things out. Number five, occupied with imbalance. A one-sided relationship can never run smoothly. So this once more goes with all give, no take, and feeling drained. Um, Number six, constant judgment. In judgmental relationships, criticism is not intended to be helpful, but rather to be belittle. And this definitely goes in the line of a bullying or abusive relationship because it starts with belittling and then it goes into either physical, emotional, or verbal abuse. Whenever your partner takes a jab at you saying, oh, you know, you could (laughs) lose a couple of pounds, those pants are looking kind of tight, and then it continues from there and it becomes more intense, then there's an issue. Number seven, persistent unreliability. Now, this is important. Mutual reliability is important to build trust and is at the core of any good relationship. And that is true. You want to know that your partner is going to be there for you. You want to know that your partner is going to help you be on your side. Now, if your partner is becoming unreliable reassess the relationship number eight non-stop narcissism if the other's party interest in the relationship is really just a reflection of him or herself it is impossible to achieve any kind of balance that is very true as well number nine loaded with negative energy It is almost impossible for anything positive to come out of a relationship filled with negativity, and that is also true. If you're in a relationship that is is controlled by negativity, and I'm beginning to realize that a lot of these actually play off of each other. So, 
if you're in a relationship where it's constant negative energy and it's hard to show growth in that relationship it's definitely time to speak to your partner and discuss where the relationship is going now, quite honestly as I said a lot of these actually link together so instead of me going through all 35 the name of the article is called 35 signs you're in a toxic relationship here's how to tell if you're in a toxic relationship if any of these sound familiar it's time to make some big changes and this was written by Lolly Daskal president and CEO lead from within and this is actually on inc.com that's inc.com so I think it's time that we can actually sign off for the night now no relationship is perfect there's always going to be ups and downs there's always going to be issues with communication but it takes strong individuals to make a relationship work with that being said if you find yourself in a toxic relationship reassess the relationship as a whole if you feel that you can work on it that you can make it stronger if you can make it better and that's the term I should make I, I should be saying is make it better if you can make it into your into a relationship that is going to grow and mature seek help go to counseling go to a therapist develop a strong circle of friends that will be supportive of making the relationship stronger but if you feel that the relationship is going nowhere if you feel like you were trapped if you cannot get out seek help find ways to get out of the situation that you're in but you if you are a strong enough individual walk away from the relationship you do not want to put yourself in a relationship that is going to drain you you do not want to be in a relationship where you feel less than what you are truly worthy of everyone has a very strong worth in this world even if you do not see it yourself you are worth more than what you expect you are worthy of love you're worthy of affection you are worthy of the most perfect relationship does it work out that way sometimes not at first sometimes we all go through a couple of toxic relationships before we find our ideal relationship the one that makes us happy every single day to see that individual to make everything work and grow all you have to do is just look for it 
Allow yourself a chance to heal if you are coming away from a toxic relationship. Do not rush in to another relationship. And this is one thing I can definitely not stress enough. Take the time to heal from your previous relationship. When going into a new relationship and coming from a toxic relationship, do not, do not, do not, do not, even though I know it's hard not to do this, but do not try to compare the new person with the previous one. Try to go into a new relationship with an open mind. Not everyone is going to be like the jerk that you just broke up with because he was verbally abusive. You may find your prince or princess charming out there, but sometimes you just have to go through the swamp just to find him or her. That is it for tonight's episode of Cheshire's Place, A Looking Glass into Logical Madness. Join us next week as we do our second installment of Geeking Around the Table. So join myself, Baby Ali, Spoinkle Bob, and the man, the myth, the legend, Monkey, as we discuss new topics in geekdom. This has been Cheshire's Place, A Looking Glass into Logical Madness. I am your host, the melodious one, Mr. Cheshire, and just like the Cheshire cat, I am everywhere, yet nowhere. Have a good night, and see you next time.